1: We're going to head out to the SDCCU fan hotline. Always enjoy uh, reading what this uh, man has to write. He does an incredible job of covering professional baseball, amateur baseball in our country. Senior writer for MLB Pipeline, Jim Callis, nice enough to join us this morning. Jim, uh, welcome to the program. Thanks for the time.
0: I'm glad to glad to be here. It's always exciting, Padres.
1: Now, well, it certainly is, and, and I got to tell you, from a, a kid that grew up here in San Diego, was at the very first major league game back in 1969, April 8, 1969, to be exact, uh, to where the Padre organization has come really over the last uh, you know four or five years, been pretty amazing. And, and Jim, we saw it again last night. They bring up Cal Quantrill, their former number one pick, like they did with Pedro Avila earlier in the year, and this kid comes up. From from the minor leagues and throws a pretty good ball game, even though he got saddled with the loss.
0: Yeah, he did. And you know, the thing that was interesting to me—I you know, think the most important thing—I'm sure the Potters would say the same thing—and Cal Quantrill's long-term development is is having a good breaking ball. You know, he's, he's he can really pitch. He's got an advanced changeup for a young guy. He's got a good fastball. And, you know, I think he's going more slider than curve now. And the slider looked pretty good last night. And, I mean, granted, it was one start, so I'm not going to pronounce that the slider is a finished product by any means. But I just think that was encouraging that, you know, he, you know, if he has the slider, I think he's going to be a potential number three starter. Um, you know, he's a pretty talented guy. He can really, really pitch. And if he has a good slider, then he has three solid to plus pitches.
1: Jim, uh, Logan Allen, who was the Texas League uh, Pitcher of the Year last year, you know, didn't have a great spring training. Uh, got off to kind of an iffy start in AAA. Threw pretty well last night. And by the way, El is just starting to crush people. They've won 12 in a row after uh, a slow start start uh what's uh projections for a guy like logan allen
0: yeah i think he's a guy who, who can fit into that kind of middle of the rotation somewhere as, as a three or four i mean you know el paso is you know the, the west side of the pcl is very hitter friendly and el paso is not a very fair ballpark to pitchers so you kind of have to take all the numbers the offensive and the pitching numbers there with the grand salt but no i mean logan yeah you know, he's he's in some ways a left handed version of Quantrill, really i mean it's it's a solid but not overwhelming fastball that he locates really well uh you could probably argue with, like with Quantrill, that his change ups his best pitch and i really think the key to his development is gonna be you know coming up with a reliable breaking ball that can be a solid third pitch um for him uh you know so it's a very i think similar Kind of development path to Quantrill. just one guy's left-handed, you know, one guy's right-handed, but they're they're quite similar. And I mean, I mean, physically, they're you know, they're, I think they're both right around 6'3", 200 pounds, also. So I mean, there's there's a lot of similarities outside of the, the lefty righty thing.
1: Yeah, Jim, you know what's been really interesting is you know having followed the Padres uh, for so many years, they they bring guys up from AAA. And, you know, those guys showed up here, and you knew they were like on a tryout. And if they didn't pitch well that first night, they were going back. And who knows, they may get DFA'd unless they were, you know, considered one of the better prospects, you know, five to 10 years ago. Now they're bringing guys up from the minor leagues that legitimately could eventually move into the rotation. We saw Pedro Avila come up earlier in the year against Arizona. He threw a great ball game that night. I know he's hurt right now, and hopefully he gets back on the mound here before too long. And then you see Quantrill come up last night night. Uh, that's saying a lot about the talent level, but it's also saying a lot about the development people in the Padres organization. These guys don't look like minor league pitchers when they're coming up.
0: No, you're right. And I think that's all very fair to say. I mean, you know, I think like everybody else, we've got the Padres, you know, everybody else who ranks farm systems, we, the Padres ranked number one, they have, I think 10 guys at last count on our top 100 prospects list. And a couple guys who, who aren't that far away, but, like you said, it's important not just to acquire talent, but develop talent. You know, it's easy to go out and spend a bunch of money internationally or, or trade for a guy like Francisco Mejia or, you know, have some high draft picks. You know, we're talking about Quantrill for one. You know, whatever. You know, and, you know, yeah, those guys are talented, but you also have to teach them and polish them. And I think the Padres are doing a good job of that. And I think the other thing that the Padres deserve an awful lot of credit for, because I understand why teams do what they do with young players and service time, and it makes a lot of sense. You know, they're just playing by the rules. They're not doing anything that is by the rules, but to delay Chris Bryant or Vladimir Guerrero or whoever, their service time, you know, you get an extra year before they get to free agency, that's a huge, you know, bonus for the team. And the Padres very easily could have said, look, we haven't had a lot of success in a while. Tatis hasn't played in AAA. Paddock hasn't played in AAA. You know, we're, you know, a dark horse contender at best. And we're going to keep those guys down in April. I mean, like, I, I think you could have made a, a much more legitimate case, you know, for doing that than, say, keeping Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the minors,
1: you know, had
0: he not been hurt. And instead, the Padres did. What they should do, which is put their best players in the big leagues, and right now they're they're reaping the rewards. I think they're what one game out of a wild card if the season ended today, right? Um, you know, and, and like you know, I, I do think you know I, I I say this a lot. It is one of the things I believe in. When you have the teams that have these really really good farm systems, a lot of times they contend, kind of, they kind of sneak up on you and contend a year earlier than expected. I mean, both the Cubs. And the Astros kind of broke out in 2015, a little earlier than expected. They, they went on to win World Series. The Brewers did it, you know, a couple of years ago. They kind of surprisingly contended all year. And then they built on that and were one game away from the World Series. So, you know, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility at all that the Padres continue to, to stay in the playoff race because, I mean, they have just a ton of young talent. And, you know, it, you know if, if they decide they want to go out and, and acquire – you know, a big league veteran to, to fill a hole. I mean, their system is so good and they have so much depth and, you know, redundancy of some positions that they could easily go out and trade – you know, a quality prospect package to get pretty much any big leaguer, I think, who would be on the block and still have a very strong farm system even if they gave up some guys. I mean, they it's a really, really intriguing franchise to watch.
1: We're visiting with Jim Callis from MLB Pipeline. I want to ask you about Mejia uh, for a minute. You know, what, what do you think the ceiling is for Mejia as a catcher?
0: You know, <laughs> it's tough on him. Um, I think he's not a catcher in the long run he, for two reasons. One... It's tough when you have a guy who has that kind of offensive ceiling. If you put him at catcher, you're going to get less offensive production out of him because of the wear and tear of catching, and you're also going to get him in the lineup for less games because of wear and tear and catching. And I just, I don't know that he's ever going to be more than an adequate receiver. I mean, he's only 23, but he's been in pro ball for a while, and that, you know, has been the knock on him for a while. And I don't think it's significantly improved. If it were me, I'm sure AJ Preller is listening to both of us, so I can give him advice on how to run the Padres. But if it were me, I think Austin Hedges is so good defensively, and these days it seems you know it's totally different than it was 20 or 30 years ago. And, you know, the number one thing you want your catcher to be able to do is receive and frame, and you know Mejia is not real good at that. Austin Hedges is very good at that. And I would probably do something where, you know, Austin Hedges is my primary catcher, and I try to find a way to get Mejia regular at bats in, in left field. Because I do think offensively, you could be talking about a guy who could hit 300 with 20 plus homers, but if you put him behind the plate, you're not going to get that. You're not going to get him in the lineup as often, and you're also sacrificing some defense by putting him back there, too. So that's just my take on him. But I like, I think the bat is the attractive part of Francisco Mejia. So I would try to get the most out of the bat. You know, it's it's comparable somewhat, I mean, he's, he's a better defensive catcher than Kyle Schwarber, but it's kind of the same dilemma the Cubs faced with Schwarber where, and I, I think Schwarber had a lower ceiling as a catcher. I think Schwarber really would have worked at it, but he just was limited – Athletically, and so at best you were going to get probably below average, maybe an adequate receiver. And and in, in their case, they it's weird, but they kind of worked out where when Schwarber tore up his knee, it kind of ended the the, the catching talk. Wilson Contreras emerged, and then also the, the thing that people don't remember is the guy who wasn't going to get at bats that year was Javier Baez. And when Schwarber got hurt, Javier Baez got at bats. Uh, or you know, because I mean, at that point he was a guy who it seemed like was going to get traded. Um, so it's it's weird how that kind of worked out positively for the Cubs. When Schwarber got hurt, um, but that's what I would do with Mejia. I would maximize the bat and, and just say, yeah, I would use it more as like my emergency third catcher. Um, I wouldn't even bounce him back and forth as a bat. I would just try to get the most out of the bat.
1: Hey, Jim, a couple of other quick questions. We're visiting with Jim Callis from MLB Pipeline this morning on 97.3 The Fan. We'll get you to Padre Baseball coming up at 8.10. I'll have the uh, pregame show as well as the postgame show. The first pitch today will be at 9.10. Mackenzie Gore off to a great start up there. Uh, in uh, Elsinore, and hopefully he doesn't have those blister problems this year. Uh, what's the projection for Mackenzie Gore? When we could expect to see him maybe here in San Diego?
0: You know, I think the timetable may depend on how soon they uh, they contend. I mean, every, anybody who follows me knows I love Mackenzie Gore. They 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 kind of got me good and had fun with that on MLB Network and huh. almost looked like I was sending a Valentine to Mackenzie. Now, <laughs> Mackenzie McKenzie can be the best pitching prospect in baseball. I, like, right now, I, I think Casey Mize is, is number one, and I think McKenzie's two, and Force Whitley with, with Astros is three. But, I mean, you're talking about a lefty. I, I mean, there's nothing not to like. I mean, he could have four-plus pitches. He's got, you know, this, this really high leg kick that adds deception. But he's so athletic that, like, unlike a lot of guys who have a lot going on, you know, and maybe don't keep it together, I mean, he, he just keeps his deliver, delivery in sync. He gets a great extension. He throws a ton of strikes. I mean, this guy. I mean, that's your ace of the future. I mean, that that's going to be when the Padres are are, are you know a perennial contender. You know, year after year, you know, Mackenzie Gore is probably going to pitch at the front of the team. I, I I cannot say enough good things about him. All he has to do is stay healthy. He's tearing it up at Lake Elsinore. It's only five starts. Um, if he keeps pitching like that, I would suppose he'd be in Double A by June and. I mean, and this is like, if, if, you, if you wanted to rush him, I'm not saying they did, but, I mean, if he keeps looking as good as he's looked this year so far, and I know it's only been five starts, and I'm not trying to be Mr. Hyperbole, but if he continues to look that good, and the Padres could continue to contend, I mean, I don't know why you couldn't have him up in the big leagues, you know, in, you know at some point in the second half of the season. Um, you know, you got to manage his innings and all that, but, I mean, his, his ceiling is, is just crazy, crazy, crazy good.
1: You know, the last question I'd have for you, we talk about all these arms. And, I mean, a guy like Nick Margavich is, that comes up, you know, really out of A-ball. He had that one start in the uh, Texas League playoffs last year, and he's been really good at the big league level. And they got all these young kids uh, in the uh, rotation right now, and we and they got more coming. And it's too bad Anderson Espinosa is going to have another Tommy John surgery. But what about position players? After Urias and uh, Tatis Jr., who else do they have down there that could, you know, maybe uh, – climb to the big leagues next year or two from the farm system.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, I think the pitching does stand out a little bit more than position players, although... I mean, <laughs> you know, Tatis Jr. and Urias, and you know, but he is another young guy. Like, that, that's a pretty good uh, core. And, and you, you know, Manny, you know, uh, Machado going to be there for a long time. And Framil Reyes has exceeded expectations. And I still have hopes for Margot. So I, I think, from the, the position player side, a lot of their their best young guys are already in the big leagues trying to get established. Now that said, I think a guy who gets overshadowed just because the system is so great, crazy deep is Xavier Edwards, who was a supplemental first round pick last year. Who can really fly and play defense, and he can hit. You know, Josh Naylor is probably more of a first baseman than an outfielder, but he's starting to come into his power. He was a Marlins first-round pick. You know, Hudson Potts, Buddy Reed, Austin Allen—they're probably more. I'd say complimentary guys and cornerstones, and, and, and you know they have they have a bunch of super young guys. And one of the, I mean, I, I could go on and on and on. But one of the super young guys who really intrigues me, and he's in the in the Midwest League right now at 19, is a kid named Tucapita Marcano, who who's a very athletic second baseman with a very promising bat. I mean, they the, the pitchers definitely stand out more, but I, I do think some of those hitters have already gotten there, and they they do have some more hitters come. I mean, it, it's it's amazing when you think back to when AJ Preller first got there. And they were going to try to contend right away. And he kind of traded away a lot of their best prospects. And then when that didn't work, they did a complete about-face. And, I mean, AJ's always been a, a great judge of talent and of amateur talent. And they just have the – you know, they're, they're clicking on all cylinders, draft, international trades. It's it's really fun to watch from outside. And I think you and your listeners in San Diego are going to enjoy the, the benefits of what they're putting together for, for years to come.
1: Hey, Jim, uh, I do want to ask, who are the top two guys right now, the way you see it for the uh, MLB draft in June there? Two guys, maybe right at the top of the ladder.
0: Yeah, well, there's there's probably four, but like if you were lining them up, Adley Rutschman, the catcher at Oregon State, is the favorite to go one-one. He's a switch-hitting catcher he was MVP of the College World Series last year. He's having a great year, good defender too. He, he's probably gonna go one the Orioles, and then Bobby Wood Jr., you know, the son of the, the longtime you know big league pitcher, mm-hmm. has a potential to be a five-tool shortstop, and I think he probably goes number two the Royals. I, I'm actually playing around with a mock draft. Uh, that will be out Friday at MLBpipeline.com, and I'll just throw out for the Padres, pick in six. Uh, obviously, we're 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 way away from having anything certain, to, you know, certain. But the two guys who who kind of seem to make the most sense as to who would be available would be Nick Lodolo, who's a left-handed pitcher from Texas Christian, who, who's the best pitching prospect in the draft at this point. And then J.J. Bleday, who's a you know kind of your classic right field profile guy from Vanderbilt, who is I haven't looked at this morning, but he was he's in the running for the NCAA Division One home run lead. So I think those are the two favorites for the Potteries at number six. Although a lot can certainly change in the next four or five weeks.
1: Hey, look forward to having you back on prior to that draft, Jim. Uh, we really appreciate your work. You keep all of us baseball junkies uh, uh, up to speed uh, on not only the the professionals but the amateurs as well. And we thank you for that. And we thank you for coming on this morning.
0: Oh, glad to. Like I said, it's fun talking Padres. So <laughs> enjoy watching those guys.
1: All right, Jim. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks. There's uh, Jim Calla, senior writer for MLB Pipeline. You can hear in his voice. How excited he is about all the talent at this Padre organization. And we're already starting to see it come to fruition here at the uh, big league level. No question about it. And again, we got the pregame show coming up here shortly. And we thank Jim for joining us on the SDCCU fan hotline. Uh, you can nominate SDCCU, the best credit union and union tribune readers poll daily at SDCCU.com slash nominate San Diego County Credit Union. It's not big uh, bank banking. It's better.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?